With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the Supper Club Sports Guys live in River West and Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. We're here with our Everything Wisconsin Sports podcast. That was Nangda with his song intro off the album Chrome. I'm Marty Laments, and with me, as always, is co host and good friend Tyler Albers. Tyler, how are you doing tonight? Sorry, let's try that again. Tyler, how are you doing tonight? Marty, doing great. Welcome back to the States. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, not that great to be back, but uh, here we are anyways. I'm about to crack a beer, so tough to complain, all things considered. I got my I got my maker's mark to warm me up, and I'm ready for the show. Nice. Right on. How many ice cubes you got in there? Nothing. I got it straight. Nice. I got one of my okay. specialty glasses I got as a wedding gift. It makes it a lot easier and smoother to go down. Nice. That's very cool. I don't think um I I don't think I could do that. Just neat. I would need a ice cube in there. I'm the Sally, obviously. I'm the Sally of the podcast. I can work on you for uh, work on you for a couple of weeks. I'll be drinking it neat in no time, I promise you. All right, well, I'll take you up on that offer. Let's get together soon. So today uh, we got a few topics we're going to get to. Um, we had a tough Badger loss last night uh, at home to Michigan State. The Bucks, uh, they're keeping the ball rolling. They're playing the Pacers right now. And uh, the Brewers, pitchers and catchers, reported today in Maryvale. So um, pretty excited for the upcoming Brewer season. But before we tackle that, let's talk about that Badger game last night. Tyler, give me your thoughts. Oh, it's, a, it's really disappointing when the state of Michigan owns you over the past week. I mean, it's kind of disappointing with the loss at Michigan over the weekend, and then obviously last night, too. We haven't beat Michigan State in, what is it now, six years? Um, um, I don't know about I just, years, but 
six straight losses against them for sure. Six straight losses, yeah. Maybe I'm a little overzealous on that one. But it feels like it's been six years because I love to beat up on Tom Izzo and those golden boys of the Big Ten at Michigan State, and they've had our number recently. Yeah, they have definitely uh, taken control in that head-to-head series ever since Bo left. Um, we've lost six straight. I think the, I saw that the only win that we have against Michigan State and guards tenure was when he took over for Bo back in, uh, what was that, 2016 or 15? Um, or no, 17. Yep. Whatever. It was his first year uh, when he was still had the interim label on his uh, coaching title. So that was the last time that Wisconsin has beat Michigan State. Yeah, it's too long indeed. Um, last night, there were litany of problems. We looked pretty good in the first half. We scored 38 points, uh, had a one-point lead. And then our second half, I don't know where our offense went, but we only scored 21 points. And um, in the last five minutes of the game, I think we only had like two or three field goals. There was a point in time where both teams, both offenses, I think we were the game was on like a four-minute scoring drought where no one could put the ball in the basket. And much like the Michigan game, Hap uh, got into a little foul trouble early on in the second half and had to sit out for a uh, a little bit longer than we'd have liked him to be on the bench for. Yeah, and then when he came back in down the stretch, he couldn't complete from the the free throw line. So it was just a pretty typical – 2018-19 Badger basketball game. Yeah, I mean, the game, the final score of the game wasn't an indication of how close it was throughout. Obviously, Michigan State pulled away. But if you look at it, I mean, of our last eight free throws, we made one of them. I mean, we, we went one for eight from the free throw line within 10 minutes left in the game. And six of those misses, 0 for 6, was half, and he wasn't even close. Not a single one even, you know, hit off the back iron or kind of rolled around the rim. It was just point blank missing it left or missing it right. He did not look comfortable at the free throw line. And I'm sorry, even though he's a heck of a player, you're not going to win basketball games against good teams like Michigan State if you just – if you just don't show up at the free throw line in crunch time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, You know, it's really unfortunate to see a guy of his caliber dominate for essentially 35 minutes of every ball game. And then the last five minutes, he just can't be out there or it's a liability to the team. Yeah. I mean, it's just a hack a hat kind of thing at the end of the game. Um, we anything more negative we want to say about the Badgers before we get into some positive stuff? No, I mean, I think I got it all off my chest. Yeah, you had some numbers that um, were pretty intriguing. Lay them out. Oh, yeah, the numbers for sure. I, um, I was surprised by this, too. Uh, the Badgers are ranked third overall in the nation 
with regards to not turning the ball over. They they only turn the ball over um, just under ten times a game, which is amazing. I mean, that's that's a stat that you can hang your hat on. Uh, with that, their turnover to assist ratio is in the top fifteen overall in the nation. Uh, their three point percentage is in the top twenty percent. Their top twenty, twenty percent, top twenty in the nation, and. You figure a team like that with those cornerstone stats that are usually um, a precursor to a successful basketball team. Yes, the Badgers have kind of gotten out of their funk and, you know, are competing in the Big Ten at least now. But you think with those stats, they wouldn't be out of the, the Big Ten championship race right now. Yeah, and I think those last two losses clinched it. Um, I mean, I don't think we have a chance now. Too many things would have to happen, so pretty much the Big Ten Championship is out the window. Got to play for the top four now. Yep, and we held that top four for for a long, long time before last year. Um, but, again, one more stat, and this is kind of what you've been harping on all season – is, you know, guess where they are in free throw percentage. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. 300-something. I just, I don't, if, I don't even know the exact number. I know it's beyond the 300s, and if it's beyond the 300s, it doesn't matter if it's 301 or 344. You're right. It's not good. It's not good, and that's why they're losing games. And I think especially with the Michigan State game, uh, the guard play just didn't show up. Uh, Davidson and Trice, I don't even know, without looking at stats right now, I don't even know if they combined for double digits. And if they did combine, they might have had 12 points. Yeah, they combined for 11. Combined for 11, there it is. And I think sometimes what happens is if you have those five four-star recruits that are better athletes guarding those guys, there's little separation that they get. And I, I don't I think I think Michigan State what they were they weren't doubling Hap a lot. They just kinda let Hap do his thing. If Hap scores his points, he gets his points. But let's not let those guards get open catch and shoot shots because they're not gonna be able to create their own shots and there were some times Davison just looked silly like doing a step back three with his feet planted sideways towards his bench air mailing shot it's just it wasn't it was it, it was ugly it wasn't pretty that's for sure yeah and I don't really want to solely blame Davison he didn't have a great game but that last take that he had you know with like maybe a minute left and we were down gosh I don't know maybe five or something or maybe it was still a three-point game and um, he drives the ball down and within five seconds of the, you know, resetting of the shot clock, he had dribbled the ball off of his foot on like a crazy attempt on a drive that just wasn't. And that was the end there. I mean, there were a lot of other things that contributed to the result, but that was a possession that's going to be in the spotlight because it happened with under a minute to go and just a careless turnover. When we have less than a game. We're going to go under the microscope. Absolutely. 
he was just smothered all game. And I don't, and Trice was just a no-show. He really was. And, and if the offense isn't going good, then I don't, I don't like this, but Trice is good for a, a pull-up jumper. He's pretty money on those, you know, you know, those court jumpers or like on a pull-up three. He's, he, he gets the team back in it doing that. And he wasn't, I don't know if he was searching for it or if he couldn't get the separation or if they got it into half and half was too much of a black hole. I don't know, but they're not going to go anywhere in the tournament if they can't figure out how to adjust their offense. So it's not just a half gets the ball, takes a guy one-on-one and then makes a layup. And then we don't get any three point opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. We need a, somehow create the space and rotate the ball so that we have some open threes. Cause that's, I mean, like you said, we're in the top in three point percentage, um, in the top 20 in the nation. So why not throw some volume at the rim, you know? Exactly. I mean, we have capable shooters. That's just our, our shooters just need to catch and shoot uh, through an offense that's run. And this swing offense is the, the funkiest swing offense I've ever seen being run in Wisconsin history because it's it's turned into just a bunch of high ball screens and finding half and having half do the rest. And again, I want to, I love this team and, and I, I cheer for them too. And I, I, I think it's okay to be critical of a team that you're really passionate about and hell Ethan half. He's the fourth player in big 10 history to score 2,000 points and have over 1,000 rebounds in his career. My hat's off to that kid. That is an amazing accomplishment. He can hang that, he can hang that on his head for the rest of his life. But right now, Guard needs to go back to the drawing board and figure out more creative ways to get his guards the ball so they can get those open looks from three. Yeah, one last note, and you don't have to have an answer on this, but um, Aleem Ford only played two minutes last night. Did he get hurt? Is there a reason why he's not playing more minutes? Like, did he have a huge mistake that I missed that guard just yanked him? Like, why isn't he playing more? Just an observation. Um, I, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good point. I, I didn't notice that as much because – I don't think Khalil Iverson played in the second half until the very end of the game when I was out of reach. So I, I saw a lot of Kobe King out there. And maybe that's part of guard trying – because Kobe King can kind of create his own shots. I saw him score a couple points posting up. And in the traditional swing offense, that's why it's beautiful when you have a guard that can post up on a smaller guy. He was creating some of those shots. Um King's defense didn't look great. I don't know if Guard was just trying to throw something at the wall and see if it stuck. Maybe King was going to give him a little bit more offense because um, Ford's, Ford's a nice player. He's, he's a little taller, um, maybe a little more athletic, and but uh, he, he, he's good at catch-and-shoot threes. I mean, he, he shoots a high percentage, but maybe he was looking for more of a guy that could handle the ball and create something off the dribble in, in Kobe King. Yeah, that makes sense. And I do really like Kobe King, and he played 28 minutes last night. 
Um, so he definitely got a lot more playing time than I think he normally does. I don't know what his average is on the season, but certainly not 28 minutes. I'd put money down right now that 28 minutes for Kobe King is the most minutes that he, he's played in a game all year. And I, and I would I would further say that 28 minutes is, is probably more minutes than he's played in some weeks throughout the season as well. Yeah, I don't think that's a stretch at all, man. But yeah, so let's uh, move on from Badger basketball. I'm sure all of our listeners are so excited that we start – nearly all of our podcasts talking about the most boring basketball, but I still love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll uh, move on to the Milwaukee Bucks who play a little bit more exciting brand of basketball. Uh, they're currently trailing right now in Indiana in Indianapolis uh, against the Pacers. They're down by three at the end of the third quarter. Uh, the Pacers are on a six game winning streak, the longest such streak currently in the NBA. They're also only three and a half games behind the Bucks for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. So this is a pretty big game considering it's before the All-Star break. You want to go into the All-Star break on a high note for sure. And um, before saying anything about the Bucks, my hat's off to the Indiana Pacers and that organization. Um, when Oladipo went down, uh, a lot of teams could have just – said, okay, we're done. Our star player is out. Season's over. And, man, they're fighting. And they're, they're fighting with some players that, that aren't household names in the NBA. So uh, my hat's off, again, to that organization. I think that's really neat. And I think that's, that's, that's something that's good for the NBA as well. Uh, when, when teams can succeed uh, through injury and without the big names. I, I always like to see that. Yeah, I'm looking at their roster right now, and I'm embarrassed by how few names I actually recognize on it. I mean, obviously, like, the top half of their lineup is fairly well-known names, but, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to list their roster. But looking at the the box score from tonight, too, like, their scoring is super even. Like, Bogdanovich is their leading scorer right now with 16 points, but then they have 14 from Darren Collison. They have... 11 from Miles Turner, 12 from Sabonis, or sorry, 10 from DeMontis Sabonis. Like, that's super balanced scoring. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Darren Collison, man, he's still in the NBA, a career borderline starter, better backup guard, and it's, it's good to see that undersized guy still, you know, still making a name for himself and still fighting. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I agree, man. But so we have the uh, best record in the Eastern Conference, probably still the NBA. I actually don't know that for a fact. But, um, I mean, we're one of the best teams in the NBA right now. Um, going into the All-Star break where Giannis is going to be, um, you know, one of the biggest names that weekend. Um, is there anything that you're going to be looking for specifically in the All-Star game or anything that um, you might be worried about coming off of the All-Star break? Well, a couple things I would – I'm really upset that Splash Mountain is not in the three-point contest. I think the world is missing out on Brooke Lopez. That would be awesome. That is, that is something I would have stopped everything I was doing to see. So that's kind of unfortunate. It's cool that Middleton is in it so we can show some of that off. I really like what they're doing 
having Dirk Nowitzki in there, how they they have the uh, uh, the Heritage All Stars or whatever they call that. How D Wade and Nowitzki are playing, so that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, I typically don't watch the All Star game, and I, I don't think I will, nor do I, nor do I want to, because every time Giannis would touch the ball, I would probably have a semi heart attack, because right now the only thing keeping us from getting deep in the playoffs is a freak injury in an all-star game uh, for one of the best players in the league. Um, and that would be such a Milwaukee Bucks thing to happen too. Ugh, I hate that you even just put that idea in my head. <laughs> we haven't won a playoff series since 2001. Obviously me and a couple of members in this fan base are just waiting for the ball to drop and everything to go wrong. So, yes, that is in the back of my mind. Well, then it's clear that we have all been watching the same Milwaukee Bucks for the last 18 seasons because, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much just come to be expected at this point that something will happen (laughs) and the wheels will fall off. But hopefully this is not that year. I am saying, all I'm saying is that, yes, it probably won't happen. And I do think that this team from top to bottom, especially with uh, Miritich, the the trade that we just made that we'll talk about in a second, um, it makes our bench extremely deep. I think our starting five can match up with any starting five in the NBA. Uh, there are good things that are, that are going to happen in Milwaukee, and hopefully that they, they can play up until June. Um, but, man, I just for that reason alone, that's why I just don't like all-star games in the middle of the year. When, like right now, the Bucks have as many wins as they did all of last year. No matter what happens for the rest of the year, the Bucks will have a winning record. And it's not even March. It's not even Valentine's Day yet. That's amazing. Yeah, I think this is the best all-around Bucks team, I mean, definitely since 2001. I can't think of a team that was more balanced and equally like potent, the big three back then. We have a big five with this team. I mean, our entire lineup is pretty stacked. And Absolutely. that's without Miritich. Miritich hasn't even played a game yet. So how do you, obviously right around any kind of sports trade deadline, um, motions run high and anticipation is great. Did you like what the Bucks did? Uh, before the deadline? Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I um, I was out of the country for the all-star, or for, excuse me, for the trade deadline. So um, I was kind of following it via the random text messages that I would get and uh, the wonderful Mexican internet that rerouted me to the um, Spanish version of ESPN every time I tried to load it. So... <laughs> There's a lot of frustration, the the news, but yeah, 
I mean, it is super exciting. The, the moving of Thon and creating a move to get Nikola Miritich, who's essentially a seven-footer. He's 6'10", I think, but we'll just call him a seven-footer. And the guy can shoot threes like no one's business. And there was a quote from John Horst, Bucks GM, um, where he had said, like, this wasn't an accident. You know, like our goal has been to try and spread the floor for guys like Bledsoe and Giannis who drive to the basket and then keep it open on the perimeter for guys like Middleton and Lopez and now Miritich, who these guys are going to spread the floor. And there's going to be so much space for Bledsoe to, you know, drive and kick out. And honestly, it, like I was really worried with the John Horst hiring, but this quote that he had was like the most reassuring thing I feel like I've ever read from a Bucks front office type. I mean, it was just like one of the smartest and savviest things. And I can't even wait to see Miritich on the court and see what Giannis can do with him spreading the floor. From day one, I have, I hated the, the horse hire. I, I, mostly because of what happened with the organization. They brought a guy in from Utah, kind of groomed him, and then it sounded like he should have been the guy to get the job. And then it sounded like the owners were just kind of, not knowing what they're doing, going back and forth, not handling the situation well. And then they hired this young guy that it just seemed like they wanted him to be in the spot so Jason Kidd could tell him what to do. And then he went and drafted DJ Wilson, which was a horrible pick at the time. And I was wrong. I was completely wrong. This this guy has – and obviously other things have happened too, player development and Coach Bud with his system – Horse made that higher. Some people say it wasn't Horse. Some people say, but whatever the reason, John Horse has done a great job. I give him an A-plus for this season. Brooke Lopez. I was kind of worried when they got Stanley Johnson. I thought, okay, I guess it makes sense because now they don't have to pay Thon Maker for the next two years. They clear some space. Now they got a guy who can cover guards in the playoffs, you know, be up on Kawhi Leonard and other good guards in the Eastern Conference, and I was okay with it, even though he couldn't shoot. And as soon as they shipped him off for Miritich, that was – we got him for Thon Maker and a bunch of second-round draft picks. What an amazing job he did to secure that guy. Seriously. That's a pro move. Like, that is a savvy vet GM move from a rookie, pretty much. Exactly. From a guy that's pretty much our age. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but true. (laughs) Do you have anything else uh, Bucks-related that you wanted to get to? That's about it for me. Um, if anybody wants to request by a popular demand to bring Tommy Jangles back, our Bucks insider, we can get him back on the show. Yeah, I'm Please certainly. Please hit us up with messages for that. 
Yeah, let's uh, let's get him on uh, next weekend or something. Um, you know, before the the first game of uh, back from the All Star break, maybe you can have him break down the the second half of the season. Sounds perfect. But moving on, um, we said we were going to talk some Brewer baseball, but uh, real quick before we do, I have some breaking news that former Brewer Xavier Cedeno has just signed with the hated Chicago Cubs. Yeah. So um, hopefully he has a late season playoff performance um, that he had with the crew, and hopefully that carries over for the full full season for the Cubs because he, he wasn't great in September and October. Those Cubbies but, making big splashes in the offseason. <laughs> yep, Xavier Cedeno, watch out, world. Here come the Cubs. <laughs> so oh, um, the elephant in the room is that today is one of the greatest days of the year because baseball has officially started. Brewers, pitchers, and catchers reported today at spring training. I think I said Maryvale earlier today, but they're at a new location. Um, it might still thankfully be in Maryvale, but that's not the name of the complex anymore. Anyways, Pitchers and catchers have reported. Um, pretty exciting time. There's been a lot of reports coming out. Just Jimmy Nelson arrived early through a bullpen session. Um, Adam McKelvey broke some news that Corbin Burns is uh, preparing for the regular season uh, as if he were going to be a starter. There's just kind of a lot going on in the whole world of baseball right now. Uh, what says you? about the Corbin Burns being a starting pitcher this year? Uh, Corbin Burns, I mean, he was a, a, a top starting pitcher in our organization, in our um, minor league organization for for a couple of years. And, and when he came up last year and primarily pitched out of the bullpen, he was great in the playoffs. He was phenomenal. Um the the guy obviously can pitch well in big moments already, which is great. Uh, uh, my thing is, uh, if if he turns out to be a starter, he turns out to be a starter. That's fine. I'm I'm totally fine with that. I don't think he has a strong third pitch yet uh, to be as, as successful or as dominant as some people think he can be. Uh, he he can be a successful fourth starter though for sure uh, I just think what we have in the starting rotation right now uh, we can run them down I mean this is all subject to change it's, it's only the first day but we're looking at Chassin, Anderson Davies Woodruff is in there Peralta is in there Burns is in there Josh Tomlin is in there um I'm missing somebody. Who am I missing? Nelson, if he's healthy. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I, a lot of what Nelson's saying, I love what he's saying. That's great. He wants to be the opening day starter. That's awesome. I just need to see. I, I need to see it first. You know what I mean? So let's say Nelson is healthy, and we do have the four or five starters to start the year. And, again, this changes so much. It, it, it really does. People get hurt. People get put down to the minors. You're moving around. You know, you just want to get, like Council says, out-getters. But I really think 
Corbin Burns and Woodruff, if we have a stabilized, you know, five starter or a stabilized uh, uh, pitching rotation, I, I, I think that Burns and Woodruff would maybe be better served in the bullpen. Kind of like how they played in September and October, where they can eat up some innings, high leverage innings late in games. Uh, you you can't bring out Hader, Jeffress, and Knable every single day. And if those guys can kind of complement them, I, I think we could have the most dominant bullpen in the major leagues, maybe even more dominant than we had last year. Yeah, dude, you just saying that, like, this light bulb just, like, flickered over my head, and I was like, holy crap. Imagine countering Hader, Jeffress, and Knable with, you know, Woodruff and Burns and whatever other, you know, long relief we might have. That would be scary as hell. Like, even on our off days, you know, when Hader and Knable can't throw, like, you still got to go up against Burns and Woodruff? Like, Damn, that sounds scary for opponents. And, and, and we know what, what Council did last year, and it, it it got a little crazy in the playoffs with you know just face you know when we kind of we kind of did the Tampa Bay having a I don't know what I forgot what they call that in Tampa Bay, but they, they have the starter. Yeah, exactly. We kind of we kind of touched on that, but in full baseball season, I don't know if we'll go that far. But I just I just think they're too valuable in the pen just to say, oh, he's a starter. He's going to start on the fifth day or the fourth day. Uh, we know statistics, and we know that the third time a batter sees a pitcher, he's going to be the most successful. The pitcher is tired, a little more tired, and, and the batter has seen his pitches. So w- what's wrong with trotting Davies out there for five innings? And then have Burns roll roll for three, and then throw out Jeffress or Canable to close it. You know what I mean? Um, and and that's the thing too. I'm with this mentality. I'm trusting that that Davies is going to have a healthy year. And with a healthy year, Davies is a good pitcher. And I think a lot of people forgot about that. Davies Davies is a very solid, slightly under four ERA kind of fourth or fifth starter you know locates his pitches really well uh anderson anderson was a borderline ace two years ago kind of fell apart last year because he lost some velocity if he gets that velocity back i'm not saying we have an ace on our hands but i'm saying we have a guy who doesn't give up a home run every fifth batter like he did last year we just need adequate starters to kind of hand it over to our bullpen because we have a really good lineup. Our offense is really solid. Hopefully they can get those runs so the bullpen has the lead and then just coast with our bullpen and win a lot of games doing that. Yeah. um... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.